Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland as cue the bat. Over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, of course, we are mainly here to reflect on a disappointing evening at Stamford Bridge. The Blues, of course, uh, going down 2-0. Um, many strands of discussion to come from that. But, of course, unfortunately, the biggest discussion point over the weekend and, and remaining today is the fitness of Abdullah Decore. Um Carlo Ancelotti providing an update of sorts after the game, not yet confirming the extent. Obviously, I'm sure everybody was aware of the rumours that it could be the season is up for him. But at this point, the club say, say they do not know yet. Um, only saying he'll be out until at least until after the international break. So let's see, but we'll discuss the permutations and, and how we cope with or without Decore as we go through the pod. But um, Preno... Carlo said no tragedy um, after last night's defeat and it doesn't impact on our European uh, aspirations. But nevertheless, a disappointing evening. It's, another, it's a defeat at Chelsea, another defeat at Chelsea. And, and just before we started recording, I was sort of saying to Gav, once that first goal went in, it just felt inevitable, didn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, I mean, that, that's typical Carlo, isn't it? Who was, um, you know, ever the... Uh, poor oil on troubled waters, never a man to overreact, uh, you know, positively or negatively. I, th- I thought it was a decent enough performance in the circumstances. I think to get anything from the game, we needed to be absolutely defensively immaculate. And unfortunately, we weren't. We made one slight error in the, you know, Mason Holgate and Alex Iwobi were caught out of position. That led to the first goal, which even then was like, you know, uh, unfortunate with the deflection. And then we had uh, Jordan Pickford, who made an absolutely, you know, series of really good saves. Had a great game, apart from mistiming by a fraction coming off his line and conceding a penalty. Uh, so that, you know, defensively immaculate, we weren't. And um, for me, the turning point was the Richarlison miss. I think if we were going to actually take advantage of anything from last night, it needed to, we needed to be maybe as uh, clinical and as ruthless, you know, in the final third as we, you know, as we needed to be immaculate in defence. And that was an opportunity, you know, so for the form that Richarlison's in, that was a really great chance to, you know, sort of pull us back on terms. Then who knows? But overall, you look at the gulf in class between the squad that Chelsea were able to put out and the squad that we were able to put out. And you can understand that, you know, why uh, the game went the way it did and why we shouldn't be overly surprised. And certainly when you look at the players that we had to name on the bench and the absence of really influential people like, you know, Decore and James Rodriguez, um, yeah, frustrating, but let's put it into perspective a little bit as well, because, you know, it wasn't that bad a performance against a team that is absolutely flying at the moment. Mm. Um, Gav, you know, Carlos said many times, and, we, and we've seen it with our own eyes, you know, this, this team generally is, is comfortable defending deep. Um, Carlo, um, you actually echoed something Carlos said, where he basically said for half an hour it was going to plan, um, but 
as you said to me, you said to me uh, prior to recording, you know, I said, oh, look, we'll only record around half an hour today. We'll only do about half an hour. And you said a bit like our midfield last night. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what it was for me. You know, it, it felt like, okay, everything was going to plan relatively half an hour. But once Chelsea scored, it just felt very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can only, it was quite an easy game to read, wasn't it? Really, I suppose, in the great scheme of things. You know, our absences forces into a style of play that we're comfortable with. Lack of balance in midfield. I mean, Decora gives us gives us that sort of box to box sort of energy that was missing last night. Uh, consequently, our strikers were isolated. And um, defensively, I mean, playing Alex. It's one thing playing him wise, I suppose, against Fulham, isn't it? Another thing against uh, against Chelsea. And I think it. Teams do say our right hand side as a weak area, and last, I mean, the fair, you'd be disappointed that you wait half or half an hour. Only Chelsea limited, I think, one chance, um, and then it was just a just a two headers, wasn't it, by both Holgate and Awobi? Uh, you know, effectively, effectively, I suppose, cost us any chance of getting anything because from one nil down, we, it was going to take a bit, a bit, you know, something special to get get us back on on track and then Chelsea would always have it in their locker to come back again and I, I think Pickford for the penalty I thought it was poor Mark and I think by Godfrey wasn't it I thought initially uh, it was it was got brought down was Habits got brought down was it I can't um, yeah yeah just allowed he was just allowed wasn't he to stand between the two centre halves was picked out by the pass I wouldn't blame Pickford for that he's got to come for it hasn't he and he's just a, a second out wasn't he? You know, if if he doesn't come for it, come for it, you'd be asking questions. So I wouldn't blame him for that. And that was the one positive, I suppose. Oh, that hackneyed old phrase about taking positives. <laughs> uh, the one thing I would say, pick for the path from the penalty, but he wouldn't really give much uh, stick about. I thought he was excellent again, made you know two or three top saves, and his form over the last month has been or three weeks, whatever, has been really encouraging, hasn't it? So that was a that was a good thing from last night, but don't think I mean we got caught at the end, didn't we? When we pushed up a little bit, we brought Davis and King on. We were bit stats at the back end. We were probably looking in the end just to finish two 0 Um it could have easily been another piece of last uh, last match. Um so children, but I still think we're in the top four, Mick, but that was always going to be a big indicator last night, a big test, wasn't it? Litmus test of our uh, Top four capability and what it's shown is that you're going to need to have a big squad, aren't you? And I think the teams with big squads will really show the strength in the last couple of months of the season. Well, that, well, that's that's a good point, isn't it, Perno? You know, Chelsea just casually dropping two hundred million pounds last summer to, to 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 bolster an already, you know, multi-million pound squad. Um, you know, looking, at, I, I did a piece right on the whistle saying, you know, look. Everton have shown you don't need to spend a king's ransom to get good players, and Carlo has, has, has repeated recently that he doesn't expect the need to spend a big amount this summer. But money can build squads, and it and it's a reminder of why Carlo's going to need a couple more summers to actually build the strength in depth that's going to make us more competitive consistently in those sorts of games. Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, you look at the, uh, the the players who were in action for Chelsea last night. They cost an absolute fortune that haven't actually, you know, so sort of sparkled for them. 
you know, it's it's not an exact science. If you spend a huge amount of money, you will get a huge amount of difference in your squad. It's got to be spent quite cleverly and quite imaginatively as well. And Carlo's already proved that he's capable of doing that. I mean, the players that he's brought in for, and admittedly, they are big sums of money, but they're not in, you know, sort of modern parlance. You know, you look at the likes of Alan and you know, Hamez, who came on a free, effectively. I know his wages are big. And Decore, you know, the the, the chunky foot, uh, chunky size transfer fees without being, you know, the Timo Werner, Kai Havertz kind of, you know, sort of transfer fees. Um, so I think we can trust Carlo, you know, sort of improve the squad uh, consistently uh, going forward. But absolutely right what you say. He's had one go at doing it so far. Uh, and, that, and that was last summer. Obviously, January was not a time. You know, so when any football club was thinking of spending money uh, this time round because of the you know, very obvious differences in, in, you know, in the world at, at the moment. So, you know, hopefully this summer you can do the same again, because clearly there are massive you know, gulfs in, um, in quality and in depth. You know, once again, we had two goalkeepers on the uh, the substitutes bench and a number of youngsters as well, because, you know, so that the squad isn't strong enough or deep enough uh, to do otherwise. So it's it's still quite early days. I know football fans hate hearing about patience, patience. Emerson fans have been patient for 26 years, you know, without winning anything and they're sick of being patient. But the right people are in place here, you know, so Carlo Ancelotti is the right manager and we just need to give him time to affect the change. And he seems like comfortable enough with that as well. He's a manager who's not getting carried away, who's not getting agitated. What was uh, your verdict last night, Phil, where, you know, no tragedy, absolutely spot on. You know, it isn't a tragedy, it was this disappointment, but, you know, it becomes a tragedy if we don't beat Burnley on Saturday night. But, uh, you know, so we worry about that going forward. Yeah, yeah, Adam Jones was down there, wasn't he? And he did a really good piece about the, the comparison and the parallels between 12 months ago to, to the day when we were steamrolled 4-0 and, and, and the defeat last night. But, but Gav, um, again, just before we start recording, and, and, and if you're happy to, I think it's an interesting point. Um, we've got a piece later this afternoon coming up about James Rodriguez. Um, and we've got, we've got a yeah. slightly different take, ultimately on the same issue. Um, and ultimately, we want the same outcome. But you know, Hammers missing again last night. What's what's your feeling on 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 that situation? Yeah, which I uh, expressed in one of my WhatsApp groups last night um, after the game, uh, and it's not a really surprise. I, I asked the question: uh, Hammers Rodriguez, is he worth it? This was the question I asked. And the responses it got was, well, he provides us moments of quality, which is absolutely right. And, uh, you know, we could you know, mention two or three you know, this year, Old Trafford Anfield. Um, but we talk about squad building there, and that needs money. And the question I, I've still got is, are those occasional moments of quality justified by the, the way the, the, pay, the pay packet that he's getting, which is, you know, which is well, I think it's been well known, hasn't it? And at the moment, I would say no. It's not really surprised because that was always the risk that we we set at the start of the season when we bought him. That you you know, considering you mentioned how many games he played last year, fourteen, uh, things something like that. And I think he's only played eight of our last sixteen Premier League games. I think only finished ninety minutes once. Uh, and I, I just asked that question, and I don't think we are at the moment. And for us to to, to you know, get into it, we need to that needs to change, doesn't it? You know, between now and the end of the season. And I, as 
you said quite highly, it's not. I mean, I, I made the point that he has played in big games, played against at Old Trafford and Anfield. I don't think he finished 90 minutes in either of those games. But the likes of Burnley on Saturday, you do, you do need them, don't you? Palace, maybe. Um, so I think uh, I th- I'm a bit underwhelmed by Hammers at the moment, to be fair, um, after the daily season flurry. That's not to say he's not a quality player, but he needs to, he needs to show more, doesn't he? You need to get more out of them. Uh, and I just think it's just, in, 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 you know, and that's really my view at the moment about them. Not to yeah. this quality. Well, probably, no, absolutely. And the piece that we've got going up this afternoon I've written is, is, is similar vein in terms of you've actually, he's actually missed maybe more games than you realise and actually he's he hasn't been able to build any momentum. Preno, I think, in terms of consecutive league starts, he's only managed his best run has been six before there's been an injury or something, and it feels like it. I was trying to perhaps look at it in a different way and say, "Well, look, if Everton can get him fit for the final eleven mm. league games and keep him fit, imagine what he can do. He's already made such an impact, but it's been hugely interrupted by spells on the sidelines and and things like that. What, what's, what's your feeling on on, on on what we've just said there about Hammers? And, it's frustrating because he has made such a huge impact when he has been available. And personally, I think that impact has been so significant that he is, you know, a case worth indulging. Um, you know, he's not in the, the, the Fabian Delft, you know, sort of camp, if you like, where he's, you know, very rarely available. Like he's only available 50% of the games. Hammers seems to be, you know, more than that. And when he is available, he does make a huge difference. So it's frustrating, but, you know, I think uh, Carlo brought him in with that in mind, you know, knowledge that, you know, he's not played, you know, sort of football consistently for, you know, some time. Um, I don't, is he 29 now, is he? You know, he's uh, he's of an age where, yes. you know, in, in injuries might be, you know, sort of picked up a little bit more frequently than they would have been earlier in his career. But he's absolute top quality. And, you know, could Everton afford a player of that quality who's going to be available, you know, so 38 matches of a season, probably not because, you know, those kind of players are going to cost you, you know, so 60s and 70 millions worth of pounds. So I'm not saying that Hammers is like a cut price version of that. He isn't, he's an absolute quality player, but at the, you know, so wrong end of his career rather than at the outset. So, you know, we have to just indulge him, I think, you know, so if and when he's available, use him. And just accept that that's not going to be the case on a weekly basis, which is frustrating. But as I say, the alternative to that is to spend an absolute fortune on somebody that has that quality that will be available week in, week out. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Hopefully, Everton uh, medical team can can find a solution to what ails him at the moment and keep him uh, keep him on the pitch as, as long as possible. And. On that similar vein, Gav, um, Abdullah Dikore, uh, Carlo Ancelotti saying uh, his injury, which has been unspecified, obviously it's believed to be a foot injury, the fear it is a fracture, but we don't know, is an important injury and he will miss some games, at least until after the international break. Um, 
So, uh, base, basing that basing it on the fact that he'll be out for a minimum two games, you know, worst case scenario the rest of the season. How do we cope in whatever length of absence uh, we have? Uh, we have to cope with Takora. We don't, do we? Um, I think he's only missed was that's the only game he's missed this season. The Premier League when he was suspended, Phil. He's only missed one game, I yeah, think. So or last could, night, yeah. Last night, obviously, last night because of injury and, and Leicester at home because of Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never heard an injury, but I, have, I suppose, but well, not in the context of it's an important injury. I didn't really know what to, to make it that important as his absence is important or important that actually it's a bad one, you know, or both, I, I, well, both, I, think... I suppose. So it's not going to be two games, is it? Uh, I would imagine. Um, yeah, major blow. And I, I heard the room yesterday afternoon and pulled a bit of a face. Um, it's not hard to me, really, like, let's face it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and I think when it's when it comes to Evan, and uh, yeah, he's the one player, you know, by him, you know, you can't afford to miss him. You see you see what he brings to the team, and to, especially he's been excellent, hasn't he, since maybe Christmas. He was a bit hot, hot and cold before Christmas, but... Since Christmas, he's been there or thereabouts, our best player. Um, brings mobility, brings, you know, a sense of energy um, that nobody else does to the midfield. And if he's absent, we tend to look a bit just flat, aren't we? And uh, our options of getting the ball forward quickly and getting supporters safe is a limited, which you saw last night. It was a major blow, uh, to be honest with you, in the context of other players being injured, as you've just spoken about. As well, uh, and um, I, I just, you know, it, I think it's a really bad blow for the player, and 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 Revan, if it's a, it's an extended one, as as may be into that by Carlo. Um, but more can I say? You saw that last night, didn't you? I'm not saying he would he would have made a massive difference last night, but he would have made a difference. Preno, um, Carlo was asked, you know, so how how do the team cope if if Decore is to be missing for an extended spell and, and he was fairly bullish, you know, and saying, well, look, we lost Luca Dean for two months and we coped. We lost Alan for two months and we coped. Um, and while I, I definitely subscribe to that theory to an extent, as Gav sort of alluded to, Decore really is the only box-to-box midfielder we've got. Gomez should should be, but he's inconsistent. Davis has proven himself more in the Alan role. Alan's back, great. But it does feel... A little bit as though this is a different proposition losing to Corey. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to mean a change in emphasis, a change in tactical setup, if you like. Um, it's an area of the pitch where, you know, normally if you take a player out of that area, it's damaging because he has been so, so consistent this season. But, you know, is it like a, a difference maker? Like for argument's sake, you take a striker out of the equation, a Calvert Lewin or a Richarlison. Uh, or you take, you know, a goalkeeper out. To me, that they are difference makers. You know, so the the players that you really acutely miss uh, when they're not available. We'll miss Decore hugely because he is like such a good player. But it's an area of the pitch where you can maybe cover by using a slightly different, you know, sort of approach. Now, yeah, opportunity for Tom Davis to try and continue to show uh, the form that he showed. Uh, you know, so prior to his recent little injury problem. Um, and, you know, sort of getting that chance to prove he can do in a different way, albeit, um, you know, so what the Corey's been doing. 
Gomez, I thought, I thought he was okay last night, Gomez. You know, it was one of his better games, you know, until he was, until he was substituted. So maybe Carlo didn't agree with me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, no, he's, you know, again, he's a different type of player, though. So, yeah, I think it's going to necessitate uh, a change of outlook, a change of how we actually approach games. Because um, he does cover so many boxes, Decore. You know, he's, uh, he's all over the pitch, you know, so he's, uh, he's an influence defensively. He's an influence breaking forward and providing, you know, so extra bodies on the counter. And nobody's quite got that energy level to reproduce that. We haven't got that, you know, so similar type of player in the squad. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a blow, you know, undoubtedly. But, you know, I trust Carla to come up with some kind of a tactical plan to overcome that and uh, you know, maybe do it in a slightly different way. No, no, what I was going to say is the one that Ben Fenner was talking there, you could play 4-2-3-1, couldn't you, with Davis and Alan Holden and then play Richarlison, Sigurdsson, Awobi or play that he's fit, um, Hamez, the Calvert Lewin up top. That would be that would be one way of rectifying yeah, it. I was going to say it, yeah. it felt that does feel like a nice way of getting the best out of of, of Tom and Alan and, and and offering that back four as much protection as possible by playing those two as the sitting, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how many times Carlos played that, um, perhaps, but. Uh, that would seem to be the natural, um, not natural move for us, to be honest with you. But then, then it goes back to what the discussion on Friday, doesn't it? That you then don't get probably the best out of Richarlison, <laughs> but you get yeah, the best out of like Calvert Lewin. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, you, in many respects, you, you, you solve one problem but creating then another. Um, and so it's it's um, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? But even so, whatever formation, I think based on what we're saying, whatever formation we're playing. We're going to miss the core, right? You know, he's he's one of them. Out of the players, you want, you don't want, you don't, you know, you you want to see in the team. He's in the top two or three, isn't he? Based on what you've seen this season. Yeah, absolutely. And he he would have been an ever present in the league had it not been for the suspension and and obviously the injury um, that has looks like keeping him out for, for a little while. Um, Preno again, as we mentioned at the top of the pod, when we were talking about the fallout from the game, and Carlos said no tragedy and. He was very keen to stress that it doesn't affect our European ambitions and, and this sort of game was never going to decide it. But looking at the fixture list, I mean, you could say any one of the next 11 are, is the most important. But I, I, I scanned the fixture list again last night and I'm looking at West Ham away and thinking, my word, that's that's got real significance uh, attached to it now. It has got real significance if we can bounce back from this and get the result that we need on Saturday night against Burnley. You know, that's, that suddenly becomes a, a really important fixture because Burnley has to prove against Arsenal last weekend, you know, and against numerous teams this season are capable of blunting most teams and, you know, proving difficult opponents and, you know, grinding out a result. And we've had so many of those frustrating, you know, 1-0 defeats at Goodison, 2-0 defeats at Goodison against teams that we should and we expect to beat. I mean, was it Carlo's first game in charge was against Burnley, uh, a night match, yeah. you know, which uh, we, we won 2 0. And so, you know, it, it's uh, opponents that he's comfortable with, he's played against several times, he knows exactly what kind of um, threat they bring. Uh, but it, it leads a slightly different approach from us this time, you know, where we've proved masters uh, countering on teams and, you know, sort of defending deep and pinching games. We need to be, you know, more on the front foot in this game, and actually, you know, creating opportunities from the word go, and uh, you know, so being more ambitious, if you like, uh, in order to win that. 
if we do, then yeah, that West Ham game looks like it's going to be an absolute humdinger. I mean, it's it's weird actually. I'm, I'm sort of like half pleased for David Moyes uh, in what he's done there because you know I thought he was harshly treated by West Ham initially, and uh, you know certainly at Manchester United, and you know his reputation has been absolutely hammered over the last uh, seven years really since he left Everton. Uh, what was the famous quote he said? Sometimes the grass isn't greener when he was there uh, talking about players leaving Everton. I think that was Stephen Pienaar, uh proved it himself. You know, the grass sometimes isn't greener. But he is a good coach. He was very good for Everton you know, for a long period of time. And I'm pleased that, you know, he's finally been given the opportunity to prove that, you know, he is a capable coach. You know, he's capable of, you know, getting teams up into the upper echelons of the Premier League. West Ham are decent to watch. Uh, you know, saw the game last night and, you know, they're very easy on the eye. Um and they're getting results. You know, they're getting a the real level of consistency. Jesse Lingard looks like an inspired signing as well. So, you know, he's done a lot of things really, really well. And it would be a great, you know, we think of minds that, wouldn't it? You know, so Moyes versus Ancelotti, you know, so the Everton, you know, so old guard punching above the waist against, you know, so the tactical genius who's, you know, got absolutely much higher ambitions for Everton Football Club. So it would be a great fixture, provided we can get to it, having won the games that we should be winning in the meantime. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want to get too carried away because, you know, Burnley, first of all, the other team in Claret and Blue, that, that's a huge game uh, this weekend. And we desperately, desperately need to get a result from that one. Just uh, forget all about the Chelsea game and, you know, sort of plan forward with a little bit of optimism and a little bit of momentum. Yeah, absolutely, Gavin. And just sort of looking back to that Burnley game on Boxing Day, Carlos first in 2019. Back in the day, you played two right-backs in the same eleven, Coleman and Sidibe. But... Like, we might, you know, people might laugh at that as, oh God, Sadibi and Cole in the same team. But you look at games like last night and you think, well, you probably wouldn't have asked to have asked Alex Iwobi to do a man-marking job if they had that depth in that position. And you can understand fully, yeah. not that we didn't have any, any doubts, you can understand fully why the club are going to try and find a right back in the summer. Yeah, right back. That's just the right-hand side, isn't it, really, I suppose. Um, which I don't think we've really rectified because um, we've spoken, haven't we, about needing a, a right-hand side player with pace up top. It's another club have looked at. Um, I still think we're missing that. Um, and yeah, it you can see. You know, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I'm not really. I've only seen brief, brief highlights last night, but all their chances came from that sort of pocket on the left-hand side, didn't they? I think the one where Alonso was at the shot, and that came from a button ball up towards Holgate area. I think penalty came from the right hand side, and it's obviously that. But that's an area that clubs have sort of looked at, you know, getting at us for a, for a while. Not even just this season. We definitely need to that that area. I, w- I would say that that maybe even our priority. Uh, Going forward, because we're not we're putting players there. I mean, might be better playing Holgate there and the will be there or whatever. Probably better used elsewhere on occasion. So, yeah, it's it's definitely the priority area for me, isn't it? Really, and I know that from what you hear, hear that's an area that they're looking at replenishing quite rightly, quite rightly so. Well, indeed, it's almost like the conversation comes back full circle, doesn't it? Because we look at Chelsea <laughs> last night and. He uh, too shall made changes from from the side that, that that seemed to comfortably beat Liverpool at Anfield, and they didn't look any weaker, did they? You know, they they still look a hell of a proposition. And um, I don't know if you agree, I know, but I think other than City, that's the best team we face this season. Um, yeah, I would agree. 
Um, certainly, you know, so under the new management regime there, yeah, I mean, given the quality of the players that they've got in place there, they should be, you know, sort of getting the results that they're getting at the moment. Uh, but yeah, they just, not, not, not such a quality football team, but the thing that really struck me, you know, sort of last night was just the intensity and the levels of work rate in all areas of the pitch. And I know it sounds like a given that, but you know, it isn't often. And, you know, so Manchester City, much of their success is down to the fact that they have absolutely top-class, top-quality players all working relentlessly in this, you know, so huge, high-pressing, you know, sort of style. And, uh, you know, so Chelsea last night, you know, we were incapable of building anything, really. Um, you know, so as a result of the relentless nature of their work rate, and you just got to have very, very good players with very, very good mindsets and attitude to do that. And we've got better players in the squad at the moment than we had, you know, when we went there last year and got absolutely turned over 4 0. Um, but, you know, so there's other things that need to change as well. But yeah, they're, they're a very, very good side. The, the top four, you know, shootouts is, is going to be really, really interesting. I mean, you'd imagine Manchester City and Chelsea, you know, if not nailed on, are going to be there or thereabouts. Manchester United clearly as well, you know, so a massive, you know, so boost from the result that they got at the weekend there. But then the, the fourth place is like so, such a grey area. There's so many teams like there are thereabouts. Normally, you'd say, well, Liverpool, you know, Liverpool all day long. But they've just fallen off a cliff there for them at the moment. And uh, I think somebody calculated the other day that the average points total for a team finishing in the top four is like 72, 73 points. And for Liverpool to get that now, they need to win every single game between now and the end of the season. Are they going to do that? You know, it's, it's looking unlikely, isn't wow. it? So, so that means that, you know, there is then an opening there for, you know, so other teams and other you know, possibilities, Everton being one of those teams, provided that we can, you know, show the requisite, you know, so consistency. I'm not so sure we can, especially with the other players that we'll have missing between now and the end of the season. And I still think I'm along, you know, with uh, Carlo's way of thinking in the top six Europa League is a really realistic, feasible target. We don't really want to be in the, uh, the third tier conference Europa League. It'd be quite entertaining if Liverpool were in that and Emerson were in the Europa League proper, wouldn't it? But, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what that means going forward. But yeah, that top four, that final place in the top four, you know, is is definitely, what's the phrase, up for grabs. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's there. If Emerson can show the level of consistency, we hope they can. But we're in there, definitely. Uh, but we've got to win these games coming up. Also, quite fancy for Spurs at the moment, who've got bail playing. Really well on a bit of a roll, and I think they they they're definitely in the hunt. But so are we, but we've got to win these games coming up, haven't we? Absolutely, very good, chaps. Uh, we will bring it to a close there. Thank you very much for your company, as always, and thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on Friday to preview uh, that game with Burnley, of course, and reflect on Carlo Ancelotti's uh, press conference, where hopefully he gives us a bit more of a precise update on Decore and how long we expect it to be without him. Well, thanks very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.